Welcome to another episode of the all new, all different Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pablo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And with me today, I have two special new podcast people joining me for today's discussion. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. If you did not read uh, the episode title before you clicked play, there it is for you. And so with me today is my lovely girlfriend, Roxanne. Hi. And joining us is, well, both of our friends, Megan. Hi. All right. So what's up? How's everyone feeling today? Good. You ready to talk some Harry Potter? I'm ready to destroy this (laughs) entire series. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready to be called a fake fan. (laughs) We're going to be going through the Harry Potter films because over the last fall, uh, me and Rox, we would watch one film a week, kind of like revisiting the series. And then we kind of noticed that, hey, there's a lot of elements to to this film series that kind of... uh, are just that ridiculous. So, so we brought on Megan, who is more of an expert in 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 quotations <laughs> on on the book series. She knows more than us. Yeah. So that's enough, which is not much, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, I would never call myself an expert. Well, that's but... okay. I'll call you an expert. That's okay. So, because I've read the book series, but like a long, long time ago, and I never finished the last book. I didn't even start the last book, The Deathly Hallows. Rocks, you never read? No, I never read a single book. I watched all the movies only once when I was a kid. So until I rewatched them, I had like vague, you know, random memories. Like for some reason, I really remembered Dobie. Like that was one of the highlights <laughs> for me as a kid, I guess. Oh, but Dobie. other than that, I didn't remember anything because my mom bought me the books in French and I was just like a stubborn child. And I was like, OK, I'm not going to read these in French. Stop trying to trick me. Fortunately, I did not read the book. That's OK. Um, I read the books growing up and then have recently restarted, like, reading them. And for the movies, like, I definitely watched them quite a few times. It has been a hot minute since I've seen any of them. Um, But I was the type of kid that, like, literally watched the fourth movie every morning, like, getting ready for school. Like, not, not the full movie, but the fourth movie is so easy to break up into bits. So it would just be playing in my room while I would like go from my room to the bathroom to what it would just be, you know, and so I'd like start it on Monday and finish it on Friday and then like take a week off and restart. All right. That's definitely a a schedule you got there. Just the fourth one, though. But pretty much because the others you can't. It didn't work as well. Mm -hmm. So let me guess, like the fourth one, you'd like break it down. Wait, is the fourth one the tournament one? Yeah. So you break it down by like, um you know, every challenge basically or yeah, like you have like, you have like the first, the first part of the movie and the first challenge is like a good section. And then you have like the ball and the second challenge is a good. And then like the finale, you know, like it really, it mm-hmm. really lends itself to be broken. Whereas I feel like any other movie you can't, you can't break that shit up. Like you have to watch it in one experience and like appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. They did it with the last book yeah. and that did not work. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get into looking at each of the seven films or eight films, however many it is, because they bro- broke up the last one, so it always throws off my count. Our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is simply that the opinions that we express are just that, our opinions. So you can agree with us or you can disagree with us. Uh, we're not saying that 
we hold the ultimate truth. We do not have the final say on Harry Potter. So if you have a different take, you have a different angle, that's cool. We accept. Yeah, kind of. Okay, <laughs> except for Roxanne. She will murder you. So let's get into uh, the first Harry Potter film, The Philosopher's Stone, or if you're in the U.S., <laughs> The Sorcerer's Stone. Okay, so what's yeah. the story with that? Well, the original title of the book is the Philosopher's Stone, which is basically a stone that can, like, it's like a mythological stone, so it can, like, give you eternal youth, basically. And for some reason, it can turn any metal into gold. I don't know why the alchemy comes. Uh, like, how are those two related? It's like, it, <laughs> you, it, you, you can live forever, and hey, while you're at it, turn some metal into gold. So Yeah, it's just you can use it to do those things. Like, that's my understanding, is it's like yeah. an ingredient. Like, yeah, no, I... It's just so it's just an odd combination of, of like why why would a stone have those two properties? <laughs> I think it's just uh, so you can live forever with all your gold. Oh, and then be rich. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're, you're set for life and your life is really long. Okay, I feel that. I feel that. In the US, the the fear was, I guess, from the publisher, uh, was that people wouldn't know what a philosopher's stone is. So I'm like, but what's the because um, everyone has a sorcerer's yeah, stone what's a sorcerer's in their stone? cabinet <laughs> in the U.S. <laughs> like, I don't understand the difference. I think also it was the fear of Americans would just hear the term philosopher and think of like philosophy and like an old, okay. like boring, where a sorcerer is like, ooh, maybe ooh, like hinting cool. more at the magic sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, basically, it was just another case of people just thinking that like the American market wasn't smart enough for something or wouldn't have the interest for something. So they're like, we're going to change it for you. We'll make it special just for you. Oh my God. Uh, Cause we got to dumb it down or, you know, make it exciting or whatever. All so, right. Yeah. That's, okay. The that's first thing off the bat there. Yeah. Is the title. Cause it's the only <laughs> one that has like a title change going back and watching that film. One thing, um, I guess, the first thing I'll bring up here is like just the horrible CGI <laughs> where everything looks super rubbery whenever they switch to uh, live action or, or like the actual actors themselves, especially during the Quidditch plays that they do. And, and then, they, you, you know, they're flying around on their broobs and they switch to the close ups of the actor on like some kind of, uh, I don't know, rig set up for them to look like they're flying a broob to the wider shots of them actually flying around. And everyone looks super stretchy and bouncy. <laughs> and everything's kept in motion because if it, every, if anything was still, you would definitely see how bad it is. I think the case where you see it the worst is when Harry um, takes off in flight to get Neville's remembral, and he like falls down the side of the building, like oh, his yeah, yeah. fully. But I mean, like, I when think did this come out? Just... Two thousand one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's not the film's fault necessarily, because obviously um, it's probably the best that they could do at the time, but it just hasn't aged well. Wait, when did Lord of the Rings come out? <laughs> the same. <laughs> I would also say, sorry, um, Spy Kids 3D came out like only a few years after, and that is incredible. It was a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> technology compared to Harry Potter, it just... Yeah, that always annoys me. Okay, maybe it was because I don't remember <laughs> at at the time when I saw it if I if if it looked good. I don't know, so I can only go by what what I noticed now rewatching it. But yeah, it's like super rubbery, super terrible. <laughs> I will say though, like the first one, despite how oh, 
despite how um it was made like was enough to scare me as a child like <laughs> that final scene <laughs> with Voldemort was definitely enough for me to be like yeah yeah I'm brave watching this totally <laughs> but yeah yeah I definitely it wasn't something I noticed like as a kid because obviously like I don't know it'd be really weird to be like <laughs> eight and like mm, the CGI in this was not very good <laughs> but definitely like watching it back you're like did they just fill like sacks of flour and then put costumes on and throw them across the Quidditch field because that's what it looked like honestly <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the sorting hat who is just like oh he's all about sharing everyone's business so the, that's one of the things where the from the book to the movie kind of got lost in translation yeah in the book they very clearly state that you only only the person wearing the hat hears what the hat is saying and then he yells out like he'll like go on a microphone after to be like Gryffindor or whatever. So like the whole conversation between Harry and the sorting hat only happens in Harry's head. Okay. Like only hear it. Uh, which the the movies are just like, ah, eh, we don't need to explain that. Like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just talk. Like that's not awkward that I'm just you're asking not to be in Slytherin. Like sure. Yeah. Everyone you in know? Slytherin's just like hey. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like because I'm like, does he read your thoughts? Because Harry Potter just all like, don't put me in Slytherin, don't put me in Slytherin, and Slytherin, and the and the and the Sorting Hat's like, ah, so should I put you in Slytherin? As I loudly exclaim this to the whole school at the assembly listening, it just struck me as odd. Yeah, and this is like more general, but we were also like, why do you have an evil house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. So. Like, it's not an evil house. <laughs> just all the bad guys come happens. from this house. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Is that, like, you know, Peter Pettigrew, he's pretty evil, but yeah. he wasn't Slytherin. Like, evil people can be in any of them. Snape, I mean, depends how you feel about him. But, like, if you're of the sense that he wasn't evil, like, he was Slytherin, but he maybe wasn't evil. Or maybe you're like, he was evil, but had, like, a redemption arc, whatever. But... It's yeah, it's not necessary. It does. It's very suspicious. Yeah, like, no, it's just odd that qualities, but they're not necessarily. I think that's what's most important is that they're not necessarily negative qualities. Yeah. Like, there are tons of people who have like like fans who have sort of like done the sorting hat thing and realized they're Slytherin and they're like, yeah, because I'm cunning and I'm, you know, like. I don't know. Okay, strong. no, that's fair, but yeah. it just kind of irks me a little bit that yeah. there's this one house that eh, everyone's kind of trending <laughs> towards the evil side of the scale. It's like the shifty house yeah. where you're like, mm, I don't know about them. You yeah, know? they really help that the only Slytherins we meet are like like Draco, like just the assholes of the movie. Oh, yeah. They're like, you're going to beat them. Um, and even like the way everyone cheers when Gryffindor wins because People are, aren't like at the end of the first movie when Gryffindor wins the uh, like the house, the house, cup or whatever. yeah. yeah. Um, when they win, everyone's like, Yeah, like even Ravenclaw and like Hufflepuff are like, Yeah, because because Slytherin lost, like we all <laughs> we all hate them, yeah. They have these traits that are like cunning and whatever, and so we're all gonna hate them, plus they have these traits, and then we're surprised that they turn out evil, like with the whole school just like. You know, I feel like they, they didn't help the situation the way every other house treated Slytherins, yeah. but it is it's definitely a little weird. One thing I want to say about this movie, because yeah. right off the bat, you meet Harry and he's just in terrible conditions, like in his house or in his uh, uncle and aunt's house. 
under the stairs. Like my first thought was, who? Why is no one calling CPS? Like I understand that they like left this boy with his aunt and uncle, yeah. but they could have just like, I don't know if they've been keeping an eye on him. Just you know, like quick call, like hey, um, <laughs> this boy is getting mistreated terribly. Because it's like some of the times in this movie, I'm like, they have all these powers, but like human things that would be useful, they don't use because it's like human things. I'm like, gosh, could someone just call La DPG or whatever it is in in the UK? Yeah, (laughs) help this boy out. (laughs) There's even a part at the beginning of the first book um, when uh, Dumbledore was going to drop off Harry. McGonagall was like watching their house for the whole day and whatever and she's like come on Dumbledore like you're not gonna leave him here I've been watching them they're horrible and Dumbledore's like yeah they're muggles and she's like no they're especially (laughs) (laughs) and he's like they're the only family he has and you're like come on Dumbledore with your like that was the first of his questionable (laughs) 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 but like yeah it's the only living family he has so they're just like yeah we'll leave him here it's also Dumbledore really wanted to like McGonagall's like everyone in the wizarding world is gonna know his name he's gonna be famous whatever and Dumbledore's like yeah maybe he should live without that like let him be normal let him not be recognized everywhere um so that's actually like a good (laughs) Dumbledore thing that he does Mm. Uh, and there's even like mentions at the beginning of the book where Harry never realized he was obviously a wizard but like there were a couple of times that he went into a shop and like a weird person would come out and hug him and he was like I don't know who you are, but or like shake his hand or whatever. And it was yeah. just like instances in Muggle world where. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I have never known love for my entire time. <laughs> <laughs> then we get to like the main, I guess, conceit of, of this first film, which is like the, the titular philosopher stone, <laughs> which is what they're trying to protect throughout the whole film. And obviously uh, Voldemort on the back of. Was it Quirrell's head? I want to bring up. Yeah. He's on the back of uh, that teacher's head. But also, isn't he the one drinking the unicorn blood in the forest? Or is that another hooded? Mysterious? No, I think that's Quirrell. Like that, that, that Quirrell. Oh, okay. Because like the, the centaur just comes out and he's like, yeah, that was Voldemort. But I'm like, isn't he? Yeah. So I'm not. That's another thing where like, I find the, the book story version of it and the movie story from my memory is like kind of. I don't know. They don't fully mesh together. Like it does, like in the book, I don't think you ever see someone drinking the blood. You just like see dead unicorns. You learn what they mean. You like there, there's more stuff like that and whatever. Whereas, uh, yeah, in the movie, you're supposed to see like a hooded figure, like drink the unicorn <laughs> blood and like float over. And you're like, what is, what is this? I don't, is this coral? Like, I, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But he like floats away. So I'm like, why is coral floating <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden? No, it very like, I think that's also a thing. So I've always interpreted it as it's coral doing it and like feeding the mm-hmm. master type thing. Yeah. But that could also be Voldemort's like, like body. Yeah. yeah, like spirit, like floating away from coral, drinking and oh, yeah. then like returning to its home. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But one character that does know everything is, is the centaur. He, see, he comes and he's like, he knows what's going on. He's like... <laughs> it's like, oh yes, you are looking for the philosopher's stone. Like, <laughs> who are you talking to? Who do you know? Or you know yeah. everyone's business like that. In the books, they even there's like three centaurs that Harry meets throughout his like night in the forest. 
and they're all supposed to follow like astrology very deeply or astronomy astrology astrology okay (laughs) they follow they're like i'm a cancer no um they follow (laughs) astrology very deeply and that's how they know everything but at the same time they're supposed to know like very broad things and they think miss uh trelawney from like the yeah bird movie right um is like wacky because she does very specific predictions and they're like that's no like it's more broad stuff that they predict and so it doesn't make sense that they would know where the stone is because you're that's not broad that's very specific so it's another thing where like people who have read the books and watched the movies and done that from my understanding are like maybe hagrid told him <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> cause... hagrid just runs to the forest gossips with the centaurs <laughs> Goes back to the shack. It could be because we do see him before. I think when he's hinting at the philosopher's stone, or when they come and question him, and he's kind of like, "Ooh, I we hid that that object that we have to protect because someone's trying to steal it to like gain mortality." And they're like, "Wait, what was that, Hagrid?" He's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> yeah, Hagrid's the worst at keeping a secret, <laughs> and it's just incredible to me that Dumbledore. Um, like entrusted Hagrid with like delivering baby Harry Potter to his like uncle, <laughs> like especially not to jump to you know further in, but like especially when you find out that Hagrid got expelled his third year for the Chamber of Secrets and like all that stuff and whatever, and you're like, why does Dumbledore trust him so much? Like he's great and all, but like seriously, this kid got expelled and can't fly doesn't have magic tells secrets to everyone (laughs) only cares about like getting dragon eggs and stuff and then you're just like being like yeah here take the savior of our wizarding world and you'll be the one to transport him that makes sense yeah or there's the fact that the reason they meet the centaur and they see voldemort slash professor quirrell drinking the unicorn blood is because that was their punishment for something like your punishment is to go in the woods with apparently dangerous creatures with Hagrid. I'm like, this school's just bad at protecting its kids. Yeah, they really don't care. (laughs) Or like, it builds wizard character. (laughs) I mean, just think about how many people got petrified. Yeah. Before they were like, oh, we need to close the school down. (laughs) like, Like, they don't care. They're just like, yeah. Oh, we're worried. Okay, do something. I don't know. So we have the the Philosopher's Stone there and them trying to protect it because, okay, they realize, I guess, Voldemort or someone like in his camp or whatever wants to take it and obviously use the powers that it, it gives you. I'm guessing the live forever part more than the turn metal into gold <laughs> part. And so we have that like mirror, I forget what it's called, that shows that where they hit it in. The Mirror of Erised. Is that what it's called? It's, I don't it's remember. Desire, it's Desire Backwards. Ah, ooh, yeah. clever, that J.K. Rowling. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. Okay, so in the mirror, and then uh, Harry is the one that like is able to get it somehow, and then he squares off against like Mold- Voldemort's spirit, and Voldemort just kind of like flies through him, and Harry gets knocked out, and then we wake up in the hospital bed and Dumbledore is at Harry's side and he's and, and Harry's all like what happened to the the stone I, I got knocked out and then and then Dumbledore's like oh yeah the stone we just we just destroyed it don't worry about that and I'm like what why why go through all this 
and then at the end, you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, we just, we just, you know, put it in the fire and it blew up or however they destroyed it. Just like, yeah, I'm it, also wondering why they, I know they wanted to guard it so that, you know, the person trying to steal it wouldn't have access to it. But like, why is no one else like, why does no one else want this? You know, like immortality, endless money. It just like, wouldn't Professor Dumbledore just kind of be like, okay, I will keep it, you know, <laughs> for myself and then no one can have it, you know? Yeah. Or destroy it. Yeah, it's definitely also one of those things where like you wonder like three first years were able to find like, yeah, they had to go to the restricted section to like in the library, or whatever, but they were able to figure this all out. So like it does exist in books. Like yeah. I don't know if it's because wizards are very like, oh well, it's Nicholas Flamel, right? Is the one who has it, I think. They're like, he's he has it we can't take it like it's his i don't know if that's how wizards are they're like just very polite about it they're like no it's you know some other sorcerer figured it out we'll let him keep it or if no one just pays attention because yeah you guys are right like someone else should have gone for it sooner it doesn't doesn't really make sense that no one else was trying to get it and i especially like that dumbledore's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna set up all these defenses i'm gonna get all the teachers involved like they each have a room that you have to you know, it's going to be crazy difficult, but the only way you can get it is if you want it, but not to use it. So like, who cares about the other defenses? Like, there's no way Quirrell was ever going to get it. Like no one <laughs> with malintent would ever get it. You just need to want it, but not for yourself. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You have it. And one of the defenses is like the dog who falls asleep <laughs> very easily. You put a nice, um, a nice smooth jazz record, you know. He just needs to meditate a little <laughs> and then just boop, walk right by him. In the books, they explain that Snape had a room that he had to like, like he also has one of the stages um, and it's potions. And they, he made like a riddle, just like there's like five potions out in front of you and two of them will help you. There's like fire. When you enter a room, there's like fire in front of you and fire behind. Like two of them will poison you and like kill you or something. One won't do anything, I think, or whatever. One of them will allow you to walk out of the room, like backwards, and one of them will allow you to walk like forward. And so it's like Harry and Hermione, and Hermione's like, oh, I'm a muggle. I can figure this out. Cause like wizards have never had to use, like, never had to do riddles, I guess. They're more like they never potions. did the LSATs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it's just like Snape being clever and being like, I'll do only someone who was raised by muggles who's like done. <laughs> would be able to solve this and she sits there and she's like okay you drink this one and i'll drink this one and this one will let me leave and like go get dumbledore and save ron and you can continue because we choose you it's just always made me laugh that it's just like they really i i like to think that dumbledore really designed it for like Harry Potter and his friends to do <laughs> like there's a flying thing like you have to be a seeker basically to get it there's a chess board that Ron, for whatever reason, is like the best chess player that ever existed. Like all these things, you know, like, yeah, they just they wanted Harry Potter to succeed. He wanted to boost his ego, like get him confidence so that he could eventually take on the Dark Lord. That's, yeah, that's the truth. Um, eventually. You know? <laughs> Seven movies. Yeah, we get there eventually, slowly but surely. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to uh, the Chamber of Secrets. This one I didn't have uh, as much of an issue with, 
compared to the first one. The most annoying part of the film, I think, is Dobby because he's annoying. I find him annoying. Excuse me. <laughs> uh oh. You take that right back. He's the best part of all the movies. God, the one good thing though is when they go to the train station for the platform nine and three thirds because Dobby is the one who seals it uh, off. Nine and three thirds. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I think that's just nine. Uh, nine and three quarters. <laughs> so nine and three quarters. Sorry. <laughs> but he seals off the, the gate that they go through. And then the crash and the owl flies into the wall. I don't, I don't know if it's something you've noticed uh, for mm-hmm. anyone here or anyone who's uh, listening. If you go back and watch it, the owl cage just goes, goes yeet right into the wall. It's yeah. the funniest part of the movie. Like I was... A lot of the things don't make sense in all the movies, but that one, I was like, how did that owl survive? (laughs) (laughs) He hit that wall so hard. (laughs) Yeah, I think in the book, they even say that the cage, like, almost ended up at the rails. Like, they they write the yeet into the book, and you're just like, okay. That's really funny that they, that's actually in the book. See, I thought it was just like, okay, they're they're trying to be dramatic in the movie, but (laughs) goddamn. (laughs) So the new thing that's introduced to Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets is the parcel tongue. Because at the beginning, when they go to the zoo, Harry figures out that he can talk to the python that's there. And so it just like this is kind of like more of like a little bit of like an overview of the series. But when he first talks to the snake, he doesn't realize he's talking in the parcel tongue. But then like later on, I think he it's like a conscious choice that you can make to speak in parcel tongue or not. So it just always struck me as a bit odd, just as like it was just introduced as like a mystery thing. Just like, oh, he's talking to a snake and he didn't even realize it. But and then also just kind of sounds funny. We like to do the. Yeah, the talking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I spent a moment like every time that I would bang my like pinky toe somewhere, I'd be like, it's so great to just bust out at a random and it's always the same like moment of it um yeah you can't go beyond and then like (laughs) what (laughs) i don't know um in the books they do explain they they do have like a silly little moment at some point where they're trying to get into the chamber of secrets and ron's like go on harry like speak parcel thug and he's like okay um open and ron is like that was english bro like (laughs) and then he has to like stare at a snake and concentrate and like pretend it's moving and then he's able to do it okay so yeah there like i think it is one of those things where he definitely later on like just is able to conjure it quicker okay sorry i just realized yes you said your least favorite part or the most annoying is dobby not lockhart i don't mind lockhart he's obviously like over the top and ridiculous and he's like a giant coward because that's like his day. I mean, you realize pretty quickly, you know, he's like, yes, I've done all these amazing adventures. I Because I, at the end, they say like he he would wipe people's memories or something. And like, yeah, the stories. The one thing he's excellent at yeah. is just wiping memories. <laughs> but no, otherwise, I didn't find him like uh, annoying because I remembered. I don't know. I guess I remember that from like the book that he was like, oh, this like great wizard. But then every time like danger happens, he's like. Uh, I gotta go. I forgot I left the oven on, so I'll be back. Yeah, when they're when he's teaching the kids to like duel with oh, yeah. Snape, he's like, "Oh, that was oh Snape. I knew you were gonna do that, and I wanted to show the kids what happens if you do it." And <laughs> Snape's like, 
why don't you try to block, teach them that? <laughs> That's probably better than just like accepting the experiomus, like, you know, but yeah, no, he's, especially in the book, there's a lot of Harry turns a corner and like Lockhart is just there being like, oh, Potter. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, shut up. Like, he's <laughs> character. And as is Colin the like kid that's obsessed with harry in the second book that like takes photographs oh okay oh yeah yeah, yeah. second book like every corner that harry is turning there's either colin or lockhart being like oh you know fan or celebrity or whatever so it's super annoying <laughs> to read through plot wise I, I i was satisfied for the most part with the plot and it was like okay yeah you have the chamber of secrets okay and there's a little bit of mystery you're trying to figure out you know who the heir of like um slytherin is you know, and then you have like the the diary of like Tom Riddle. It it, it takes over Ginny, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was it was like pretty good plot wise. Had less of the annoyances from the first one. Mm-hmm. I will say something I remember from the movie. Um, in the book, at the end, when Lucius Malfoy is like meeting up with Harry, and he presents him with the sock, and he's like, "You made me lose my slave," and whatever. Yeah. Uh, he starts to do the Avada Kedavra yeah. spell. But in the book, they just say, like, Dobby stops him before he's even able to, like, start trying a spell. And I remember, like, that's not that big of a difference. But I'm just like, like, in the book, you don't know what spell he's going to do. But yeah. if you watch the movie, you're like, oh, he was going to kill murder though. a kid. Yeah, you just reminded me of that. I'm like, that's quite the reaction. To, like, yeah, and then shouldn't everyone involved be like, this guy is really shady. Um he Do just, not trust. He is a fugly bitch. <laughs> like, he just killed someone in the middle of the fucking room. Yeah. Like, and Harry doesn't even like fully. He doesn't know what that spell is yet, so he doesn't fully appreciate that. Like Dobby just stopped him from murdering you, not like killing you, and he come back as a ghost. No, 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 no. He would have been gone. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, he's just like, oh, Dobby, just do me a favor. Don't try to save me again. And you're like, oh, that's so silly. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, speaking of Dobby trying to save Harry Potter the whole time, like, you know, he's trying not to get him to not go to Hogwarts, but I feel like everything he's used put Harry in so much danger. Like, when he gets in, like, you know, he's late to Hogwarts or whatever, he gets stuck in the Whomping Willow, which, first of all, why do you have that on your school grounds? Like, that shit's very dangerous. He almost dies there, and then during the Quidditch match, I I, I think he was, like, um, hexed or something, or the broom was, you know, the, some type of the, magic. The quaffle? The quaffle? Can't remember what it's called. Oh, one, one the like, the bludger. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, after him. Like, he almost... I mean, I don't know. Can wizards die like just like that? Like if he fell too high, would that kill him or no? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, why are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that chase scene now when the bludger's like destroying like the infrastructure of like the, the seating. And I'm like, you're going to take down like the whole school to try to watch a Quidditch match <laughs> just to say, Harry Potter, you're in danger. But like everyone's like destroyed. You're like, oh, OK. I think the best part about that is Colin is hiding in the set because there's like a part where um, when they're like underground, like, or not underground, but like under the stands racing around and it's Draco is behind him or whatever. And you just have Colin standing there like on a piece of wood, like ready to get the shot. And it's like, how did you realize that Harry was going to go under the stands? Like, are you just the smartest photographer in the world? That you're like, be ready. Oh. Let me let me go <laughs> underneath now and like stand with my camera to get a really cool shot. 
Sam, the Colin slanderer is just <laughs> guys. He's the worst. Like I get it. He's just like a first year and like all eager and whatever. Nah, nah, just the worst. Okay. Did, did anyone have any like final points about the uh, Chamber of Secrets before we move on to the next film? No, well, I quite like that one. I one of the things that always annoyed me is in the books, uh, Headless Nick like has oh, yeah. more of a storyline. And one of the elements is in the second book, he has like his death party type thing that like Harry and Ron and Hermione go to. And that's kind of the reason why Harry is like wandering about and hears the snakes at one of the points of whatever, like it gets him into trouble. Uh, it's a good plot device. But another moment is like Harry, like, so it shows like a friendship between Harry and this ghost and like how nice he is and how nice the three of them are and like, and at one point, Harry was getting in trouble with Filch. And so he's like in Filch's office and Headless Nick starts making like a ton of noise, like on a floor below or something, acting like one of the troublesome ghosts so that Filch leaves the office and like leaves Harry alone, basically. And because of that, like Harry doesn't get in trouble. It's like a really cute, sweet moment. And it's a character they already introduced. And it always bugged me that they didn't include it in the movies. Whereas, like, I get it. There are some characters that you get introduced to in, like, the first book or the second or whatever that are only important in the fifth or the fourth. So you only learn about them then. Like, Cho Chang is in the third, and so is Cedric. And, like, you know, we only see them in the fourth movie. That I understand. But, um, yeah, it was always like, you, we know Headless Nick. Give him his little moment. He's a really cool... No other movie has a ghost that's head almost pops off. Like his moment to shine and be sweet yeah and then you just you don't just have ghosts for the sake of being like ooh, cool magic stuff it's like oh no they're actually like advancing the story a little bit like kind of like the paintings do at some point right like they get involved a little so yeah like basically why is moaning myrtle get why does she get to come back but not (laughs) snick like give no i if i was remaking the movies no colin sorry you're gone (laughs) (laughs) and just no moaning Myrtle. She's just creepy. Yeah. And just headless Nick. Just have him be like, oh, by the way, a girl died in the bathroom and that's where the Chamber of Secrets is. Thanks. Thank you, headless. We didn't need her to tell us. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> just, that's it. I'm going to start a campaign. More headless Nick. <laughs> I 100% agree. Especially moaning Myrtle. She's... Oh, yeah. We'll get to her yeah. in, uh, <laughs> uh, coming up. Yeah. All right. So the next film and next novel is The Prisoner of Azkaban. Which to me is what? Do you have a problem with how I said Azkaban? I said Azkaban. (laughs) (laughs) It is the language of my people. Okay. okay? (laughs) No, it's not really, in case you're listening. Azkaban (laughs) is not the language of my people. But to me, it is the best film slash book. I don't know if anyone feels different. Uh, Megan, do you feel different? It's okay. You can feel different. I always have trouble deciding what's my favorite. I will say, just in life, Gary Oldman is my favorite actor. So like seeing Sirius Black, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Sirius Black is my favorite character. And then he was played by Gary Oldman. And I was like, this is perfect. world. This is everything. This is perfect. And so any chance to see Sirius Black, I am here for. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I think the fifth might be my favorite, even though it's super sad and not like I just... Just give me a serious black movie and that will be my favorite movie. So overall, just like good, like visuals for that film. It was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. 
who has done like another a bunch of other renowned uh, films. So I like him like as a director, and this is the only one that he directed. And I remember around the time it came out, um, what they wanted to do is they wanted to get away a little bit from like the robes and stuff, the classroom and stuff of the first two films. They wanted to get them more like in like uh, regular like street clothes and doing stuff like outside of the the classrooms because you know when they go on their adventure to save uh was it buckbeak yeah. that little yeah. dragon thing or whatever the bird uh, he's a bird was he's a griffin or something N- no he's a what is he oh no i forget oh, what no, he is. is wait he is a oh it'll come to me wait i know this keep talking and then he... i'll just randomly interrupt you that oh. won't be a hindrance at all <laughs> I, thought, I just thought he was like a big bird <laughs> <laughs> a big bird that's me street um yeah so we have them going out and uh trying to save well themselves right because when they get the dementors attacking them right you have the patronus but then it's them who's like saved. so we kind of like redo the end a little bit there so the the what i'm trying to get at here is we have one of the most he's controversial a he's a what Sorry, he's a hippogriff hippogriff okay yeah that's it yeah weird bird creature what we have is some of the most, I think, controversial elements of the Harry Potter story. This is something when I read comments of, it's equivalent to Lord of the Rings when there's like, why didn't the eagles just fly the ring to Mount Doom? It's the, the time tuners, because that's what Hermione uses to take extra classes. And we kind of see her popping in and out of the film. And when it's your first time watching it, you're kind of like, wait, what's going on with her? This is kind of weird. And then obviously, yeah, you have the Patronus. Saves them from the Dementors, and Harry thinks it's his dad. But then, through like a causality loop from these time traveling devices, it's them seeing themselves before they realize it's them who's doing the Patronus and different acts throughout uh, the movie as we re- revisit some scenes from alternate angles. There, yeah, because this the the time tuners have brought up the question: Why didn't they just like use these to like stop Voldemort? And I know when I was reading up a little bit more about the film, when I was just kind of like collecting my thoughts on it, uh, the because uh, I, I never read or saw the play, the, the Cursed Child or whatever. I know that centers around using time turners as a plot device. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know too much in depth, but I know from what I've read, it's supposed to be like a licensed thing. There's like a limited amount of them, but there was an illegal one in, in the in the play that they use to do whatever because I think I read that you, you you can only go back like an hour in time, Max, before mm. you do like permanent damage or something like that. But just in general, this has brought up a question among fans or discussions or arguments like time turners could have like solved the whole story. But then you have to time travel, which is why at the end, I think they say they destroyed them all because it just it just it just starts a mess. I think the reason why they can't use it, you know, all the time. Maybe like you said, there's like a time limit, but also just, yeah, like if they had, if something had gone wrong, then it could have just like changed the entire outcome of, I don't know, time. So I think that's why like they had to like just do it once, do it like super precisely. I thought like personally as like I had, I didn't remember this at all, like when I rewatched it. So I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Therefore, I don't think it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's stupid or like, you know, kind of makes sense to me that they don't want to use it too often but i remember like thinking back like that thing is so cool like i know like you watch like superhero movies and stuff and you're like oh my god i wish i had those powers i'm literally like i wish i had that thing to study more (laughs) which is like (laughs) 
I'm a big nerd, but I'm also wondering like how like how is it fair that Hermione gets this? Like she decides to take an extra class. McGonagall's like here here's to help you out. Like what? No. Yeah, she decides to take every class available. And McGonagall had to they say like at the end of the second book, they're like picking out their classes and whatever. And Hermione picks everything, including muggle studies. And you're like, girl, you're <laughs> my dentist. Like, <laughs> why do you need that? Like, you know everything. You're good. Um, and so at the beginning of the school year, McGonagall pulls her aside. And it's like, yeah, it's like you, you learned that she had to get like special permission from the Ministry of Magic. And I'm like, imagine being in the Ministry of Magic. And there is a teacher who's like, vouching for a student like you know these things are very sensitive no one's allowed to use them really but i got one student who really <laughs> wants to learn a lot yeah, like it's just you um, can you can destroy the space-time continuum <laughs> but on the other hand a girl is really nerdy so come on and she wants to learn a muggle <laughs> will learn about muggles you know like <laughs> that's why we've got to do this um but they the the only explanation kind of, of why they don't use it for everything it's like such a i mean it makes sense but it's also like kind of a lazy explanation is at one point when harry and hermione are standing outside of hagrid's um waiting so you have harry and hermione and ron inside the like hut yeah in you know in the past and then they're watching them and then they throw the rocks and yeah. whatever that doesn't happen in the book by the way they just leave like oh. they just know leave there's no rock throwing but harry's there and he's like peter pettigrew is right there like let me go get him and hermione's like harry what would you think if you saw yourself just pop out of nowhere like and just try to steal a rat and he's like well i i would think that i'd gone mad or i'd think it's some trick or whatever and she's like yeah that's why you can't mess around with time turners you can't be seen because there have been cases of wizards killing their past or their future selves by accident and then it just f's everything up mm -hmm. <laughs> so she's like so it's the only real explanation they give as far as i know um which makes sense but it's also kind of a lazy way of being like well you know if i agree that time turners get to work then where would be the fun of the movies or the books like you know i feel like that's just the author being like look we can't have everything be solved because then what would I write about? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'll accept your, your reasoning. Fine. Then we get to one of the weirder elements outside of the, the time tuners, which who you mentioned, which is Scabbers, who is <laughs> Peter Pettigrew, who I guess transform. Did he transform himself into a rat or was, did someone transform him to a rat and he couldn't I undo the spell? That was his he, way of hiding. He transformed himself. Okay. And then he somehow ends up as Ron's pet. So he, so the story is, is that when Lupin was in school, um, Lupin, Sirius Black, uh, James Potter, and Peter Pettigrew were all four best friends. Yeah. And they started realizing that Lupin kept disappearing once a month, like at a full moon and just like being gone. Um, and it was before that there were like potions to ease the transition into werewolves or whatever. And so the three friends worked hard, mostly James and Sirius, because Peter is useless, but worked hard to figure out how to become an anim, animagus. Or whatever, yeah. yeah, so the British pronunciation is like animagi. And I'm oh. like, okay. Yeah, I like heard, and I was like, what is, but I feel like the book, they, uh, I feel like the movies, they say animagus. So I'm not sure how to, but whatever. 
um, they figured out like this very complex thing and all the animagi of the world are supposed to be like um, kept track of by the Ministry of Magic, but they learned it as students. And so no one knew they were able to do it. And so they would transform into their animal selves to hang out with their wolf friend when he turned into a werewolf. Um, That's nice. Because he wouldn't, werewolves hurt humans. They don't hurt other animals. And so they would just like all hang out and like, get, it, it's really sweet. <laughs> also, also, um, Rox, you mentioned the, the Whomping Willow before. They say in the book that they actually planted the Whomping Willow on top of this room like there's a tunnel from the school to this like specific room, whatever. Um, and they planted the Whomping Willow there to stop people from going to that room because that is where he would transform. Uh. So it's like, it's, it's Dumbledore being like, I want my werewolf student to have his privacy. I don't want anyone to get hurt. It's like the one time he cared about students. <laughs> <laughs> but like his way of caring is by like making a tree that's super dangerous. <laughs> Kill anyone, yeah. All right, yeah. but I'm glad there's somewhat of an explanation. Yeah, and there's supposed to be like a button you can press type thing that oh. like will allow you to um, like make the tree stop for a second. Yeah, I think they do that in the film or something when they're going in and out of that yeah. area. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, but Scabbers though, which this again comes from reading people theorizing and commenting on the situation where you have a grown man who is like living with a teenage boy. As an animal who like, yep. you know, you, you, you know, you go for a shower and then you like come out and then, you know, your dog or whatever there greets you, you know, and you're just like, this is an actual person. <laughs> it's not just an animal. They've seen me at my worst. Also, why did he choose a rat? Like, did he have some? So that is like, they all have their animals that they transform into. Like, mm -hmm. it's just your, it's your Patronus, like is the same. Or, like, Harry's Patronus is the animal that his dad was able to transform into. Like, it's just, I think you're... you're oh, so not something you choose or whatever. Yeah. Oh, which, okay. like... And then you find out that he's the one who sold out Lily and James. And you're like, you are a rat. I get Symbolism. It. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, but, no, as for... Yeah, it's... You do see that um, in the book Sirius Black in dog form is really close with Harry, uh, Hermione's cat, Crookshanks. And actually, like, Hermione, um, Hermione's cat, like, spends a lot of time with this dog or whatever, and it tries to kill Scabbers, like, throughout the entire third movie because she realized, like, the cat knows that it's not really, mm. like, that it's evil type yeah. thing, that it's not a good rat, um, and is able, like, the Sirius Black as a dog is able to talk to this cat and is able to like, so I think as weird as it is, I do think there is something. I am one of those that believes that when you are in animal form, you're like not so much a human as an animal. You're more, you're a bit more known, like you're a bit more knowing as than any other animal, but mm. I don't think you're fully knowing. I think you're pretty much like mm. truly animal form. So I don't think it was a, like a, a grown ass man being like, haha, with, you know, I think it was just like, a, like you get your rat thoughts yeah yeah yeah. like if ron took out the laptop the rat was like i'm i'm <laughs> head out like <laughs> i'll leave you alone sir yeah well, fair enough i mean again that comes from people theorizing and speculating on the internet you know who people are up to no good uh on there but it is funny to kind of imagine <laughs> or think about the ridiculousness of and that and there's 
point, in their point, he chose, Peter Pettigrew chose a wizard family so that he could stay connected to news of like Voldemort yeah. or of, so there is some, like, even if he's a rat, there is some knowing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So to their point, yeah, absolutely. It could be some creepy shit. I just, <laughs> believe, I just like to believe that it's more. Well, like I don't think so. I don't think it actually <laughs> is, but it is. When you when you think about it, it's kind of like mm, okay, could have been some a couple of awkward situations going on. I'd rather not my pet to be a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the, at least like the other thing that was just kind of weird at the beginning of the film, uh, when Harry, I don't know, I guess leaves his house. I think that's what happens because he gets like fed up. Oh no, he gets kicked out or whatever because some magical mishap happens. He blows up at Marge. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. And uh, there's the night bus. That comes through and it always struck me as odd. Like, why do they have this weird bus traveling through London? I guess Harry lives in London area. To pick up, to like, pick up random <laughs> wizards who, who might be stranded. Strain, yeah. <laughs> roaming the I, night streets. I mean, like, to their credit, the wizarding world has solved, like, homelessness. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. they literally pick up. It's for wayward wizards and witches. So, like, they, they pick up people who don't have a home and they bring them to places and whatever. Um, he doesn't live in London. I think, I think he lives like outside of it, but that's like his worry is when he's kicked out he's like, I don't have any muggle money. I just have wizard money, but I can't get to Diagon Alley. Like I'll have no way to get there yeah. or whatever. And it just finds lost wizards and witches <laughs> and like helps them on their way for like six sickles or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's a cool service. I definitely wish that, you know, you could be walking and someone's like, hey, I am a trusted service and I will get you where you need to go. And you can sleep and, you know, get some hot chocolate or whatever. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. But like, especially it, since they introduce port keys, the next show, or the next uh, movie. Yeah. It still seems a little inconvenient that you got to go on this crazy bus that like, you know, slims down and does mm. all this weird stuff. All right. Did anyone have, speaking of the next film, did anyone have any other points before we move on to the next film? I want to talk about Dementors because there's a lot of Dementors in this yeah. Oh, yeah. movie. Go ahead. I'm just like how inconvenient it <laughs> is that you're, you're okay, first of all, you're, the people who guard Azkaban happen to be ex-Voldemort creatures like that, that used to be in his camp and now they are the ones who guard <laughs> Azkaban where most of all Voldemort's evil, supporters yeah. are and then so when they're looking for Sirius, it's like, by the way, there's a ex-con on the loose and these really like scary creatures that will make you feel like shit, you know, like <laughs> just seems really inc- inconvenient for all the students that these guys are hanging around. Like when they get on the train, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> is there really like no one else who could guard, you know, convicts? Yeah, I think it's just what's also super inconvenient about them is they don't see so that's like, they just don't, they, the, so in that sense, they don't discriminate. So they can't, so that kind of proves the Voldemort thing. Like they don't know who they're, who they're sucking from or whatever. Um, so it's not like they're like, oh, you're one of Voldemort's crew or, oh, you know, you're not. I mean, I get it. Most of the Azkaban population probably was convicted because of Voldemort or whatever. Um, but they can't really discriminate in that sense, which is cool. But then also, yeah, you can't, so you know they can't discriminate, so they can't tell who's, like, who's done the... illegal stuff or not. Let's leave them around children. Like, yeah, that's... <laughs> Put like... them on the train, too. <laughs> like, 
Oh yeah, they 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 had to check the train in case he was being smuggled in. Um, but that is how, just so we all are aware, how Sirius Black was able to like get out of Azkaban is like because as a dog, they weren't able to like hear. They weren't able to like hear the happiness or anything, or like hear him or feel him around or whatever. Mm. Uh, which happens the longer you're in Azkaban, like the more you lose your mind. And mm. so they just thought that he lost his mind like really early because he was always in dog form and they couldn't tell. They were just like, oh, he's already lost his mind or whatever. Um, and so then he was able to like sneak out that way and just spent, you know, 12 years like pretending to be crazy or like in dog form so that they couldn't suck him out or whatever. And when he saw um, a picture of Scabbers in the newspaper on Ron's shoulder when they went to Egypt, he was like, oh, he's going to go to Hogwarts and harm my godson. I've got to get the power to escape. And it like gives him like a burst of light. This is just me loving Sirius Black, y'all. Yeah. Like, that's, that's all that is. That's all good. <laughs> I love him so much. The fourth film, The Goblet of Fire. When I first heard of Harry Potter, uh, the first three books had already come out and it'll start, kind of start to take uh, the world by storm. And so the new book that came out for me was The Goblet of Fire. So I remember reading that and especially it was a lot thicker than the first three books. So, and a lot goes on. A lot goes on in, in, in this one here. It's a, a pretty big one. So we got um, the Triwizard Tournament we're introduced to, which is the new spectacle we had not heard of before before this moment and we don't hear of it again this big tournament that happens like every year so my issue with the 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 tournament itself oh no wait even before we get to the tournament at the beginning of the film we're introduced Mm -hmm. to the port keys because this is going to play later on and this is the reason why we're introduced to port keys i think just for the reveal at the end of the film because port keys to me seem redundant with all the other ways they have of traveling just like oh we're gonna have this weird incantation put on so any object could potentially uh transport you somewhere without you knowing and they go to like some quidditch world cup i think and then there's an attack by death eaters and you're like oh my god get out of here back to the port key so we we're introduced to that that just i think is strictly to tell us about port key and so we have that little danger element to let us know Ooh, okay stuff is conspiring in the background and then we get to Hogwarts, and like I said, we find out that uh, there's a tournament, Tri-Wizard Tournament, where there's two other schools now we're introduced to, a French school and a vague Eastern European <laughs> <laughs> school. And each school is going to have a champion, and you have to be over 17 to submit your name, and then the trophy is going to pick three people from all the people who uh, put in their names. But then what happens? Somehow, mysteriously, a fourth name comes out and that fourth name is who harry Harry potter Potter. (laughs) all right who would have guessed guys that harry potter gets in and then what what struck me as so odd is like okay the rules are you gotta be over 17 and there's only three participants allowed and then the cup spits out a fourth participant someone who is under 17 and they're like well it's the rules you gotta let them do it. It's like, why can't we just say no? Because he, those are clearly against the rules we established. But no, we gotta roll with it. So we have this weird year where there's four participants. And we're introduced to our main man, Cedric Diggory. The best. The Robert Pattinson before he became a shiny vampire. 
mm-hmm. and the Batman. Do any of uh, you guys have anything you want to add here at this point concerning uh, the film? Yeah, this one, like, I really, really like this movie because I like the tournament. Like, I like the different challenges. I love Cedric Diggory. Um, and it's like the only movie he's really in. And so that was cool. I love the ball. But the thing is, I don't like the reason for all of this was just to get Harry to the graveyard. And I'm like, was there not a better way? They could have literally kidnapped him before he even got to Hogwarts. Like, like when he's at home, like, I feel like he's not under some you know, crazy protection. So I feel like Megan, you want to jump in. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is. The house is like, the Privet Drive house is like supposed to be super protected. Oh. And then Voldemort. So one thing that people have a problem with is that Voldemort himself wouldn't be able to touch Harry because yeah. he's still protected by his mother's love. Yes. And then especially at Privet Drive because his Aunt Petunia has the same blood as like his mom, the protection is like even stronger in that sense. So I don't think anyone could actually touch Harry when he's at home or when he's at school. However, I think any of like, like we saw in the second one, Lucius Malfoy was about to kill Harry Potter. (laughs) Death Eater could have done it. I think it's just a case of like pride and like wanting to make sure no one wanted to commit the murder for a leader that they weren't even sure, like for a person, they couldn't even be sure they were serving anymore. Like if you didn't know that Voldemort was still like alive and like coming back, why would you go through with killing this kid and like potentially go to Azkaban when you're not even doing it to service anyone? So right. I think that kind of explains why no one else is trying to kill him for a while. Um, and then once they realize that Voldemort's back, I think everyone's like, no, it's it's supposed to be Voldemort who kills him. Like there's, I think it's just his ego is like, he's the one who wants to kill him. Why does it take a whole school year? I don't know. He's he's real. He's real. No, I think it's also because they know that Dumbledore is like doing stuff to protect Harry, even when we don't know it. So it's not like he'd be able to get him like at the school ball or like at all these things. So you have to keep him off guard. Like, you know, you have to catch him off guard. I mean, um, and so I think but that's they should have known something was up when clearly someone influenced <laughs> the cup to oh, yeah. put in Harry Potter to the tournament because yeah you know because it's like they like I like said, oh well I, okay I mean I guess Harry you're you're in and it was like shouldn't you have just been like no because they know someone tampered with it right they're yeah. like okay who fucking tampered with this cup and then at the end of the day they're like well we just got to go with it because whatever the cup does we have to do you know so if the cup said 100 people got to do the tournament and then they're like oh okay 100 people got to do it now have you guys seen the meme that like in the book it's like uh dumbledore calmly asks harry potter <laughs> did you put yeah. your name in the goblet of fire and then in the movie he's like harry did you put your name in the goblet of fire <laughs> yeah it's excellent um i will say i am a fan of ron fourth movie ron is the worst ron mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I think I prefer every other character to Ron in that movie. Like, you're just, boy, you're being blind with Hermione. Mm -hmm. You're, like, not seeing what great thing you have in front of you. And then on top of that, you're also like, oh, Harry, you put your name in. You didn't tell me. Like, (laughs) shut up. Believe your friend. Like, gosh, he's the worst. He's the absolute worst in that. The rest of the times, he's great and jolly and the perfect best friend. But, like, that movie in particular... 
He's really himself. angsty like, yeah. the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Almost as bad as um, like when we're going to get to it later, the uh, the last movie the or the, the first part of the last <laughs> movie. Yeah. He's just so mad. And it's like, why? <laughs> There's no reason for you to be so upset. <laughs> so then as they're trying to complete like their different tasks for uh, the Triwizard Tournament, there's the here, here we're coming back to Morning Myrtle. We're circling back now <laughs> where they have to go and take like this hot bath <laughs> and Morning Myrtle's like, let me let me look at you boys naked. And you're just like, why is this ghost creeping? Yeah. On these young men. Why was it written that way? <laughs> like, she's just, I, she makes a comment about the bubbles or something. Like, there's less and less bubbles. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> please stop. Yes. The actress is, is like 40 or something. Also. Yeah, it's, it's icky. <laughs> I feel like it's just the best way to explain. Like, not only is the actress 40, but Monique Myrtle died 50. She's Hagrid's age. Like, the character, had she continued to live? Yeah. Like, you know, then there's, of course, that thing of, like, she died, so does she continue to... Like, I don't know, but it's just icky. It's <laughs> just weird. Born so long ago, don't be watching boys in a bathtub. <laughs> just don't. It just feels like... Just don't. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and her little, like... uh, I've always hated it. The sound of her little, like... <laughs> Like when she like chokes on the bubbles, like it's so gross. <laughs> so fake and weird, and it's just always bugged me. Like, why are you doing this? You're a ghost. You don't need like it's weird ghost flirting, and I'm not here mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, no, no, that's definitely fair. So then we get to the end here of the film when they're about to complete the the tournament because they get to the final area of the cup. And Harry, being the stand-up lad that he is, is like, all right, you and me, Cedric, we're going to complete this task together. And then they go to touch the cup, which I guess would end the tournament. I don't know how it's supposed to work. But then they realize oh, they're boop, transformed or transported, I mean, to a graveyard where we have this delicious soup that is brewing. <laughs> You know, and Harry Potter is, I guess, trapped now. And so is Cedric. And we see, yeah, like something brewing. We see Peter Pettigrew. He's back. And we see, uh, what is it? Uh, Voldemort's disgusting little worm body. body. And he gets plopped. (laughs) The way they throw him in (laughs) made me die. Like it was like adding cabbage to your soup, basically. Like, boop. Here you go. Yeah, we're going to plop him in, you know, we're going to throw in a few onions, nice and some carrots, some celery. Oh, and Harry Potter's blood. And, you know, the wait, doesn't he get, like, the blood of his parents, uh, the bones of his parents or something? That's I feel like there's, there's a skeleton yeah, in there. In, like, he gets the bones of his father taken forcibly or something, the bones of a servant taken willingly, um, and the bones of his enemy, or the blood of his enemy. Yeah. I think taken forcibly, but his dad's bone is taken that's unknowingly or something like that they're like they're making like, a, a broth there with the bones you know this, yeah. this Voldemort what? soup as I like to call it and then you know he's stewing in there it's like, okay almost ready we see the final ingredient which is Harry Potter's blood which will remove the curse because now his new body is flowing with like the same blood well I guess like a dropper I don't know I don't know I don't know, I don't know how many teaspoons they put in of uh, <laughs> Harry's blood there and then and then Voldemort's back and how? then yes cool. go ahead how cool is when his robes like apparate on him? Like they just start like yeah. He's like 
forming like the worm is gross but when the ropes start to appear on him and he's walking and like all of a sudden he sees gross little fingers and you're like ooh, like there's something about that voldemort like ooh. Oh, wait <laughs> yeah no like <laughs> i don't know just, about that <laughs> he's like i don't know the robes man it just does something it's like very powerful and, like, it's very alluring yeah high thread count you know <laughs> the finest cotton or silk <laughs> I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. Fourth <laughs> Harry Potter movie, Voldemort is hot. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm saying what we're all thinking. Y'all be Wait. too scared to <laughs> No, no, no. I am not hopping on that train. You keep me out of this. Well, what changes after the fourth movie? No, I mean, he's still hot, but then he's oh. like too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But like that fourth one. Also, sorry, when he's like, I can touch you now. Like, there's just every... He knows how to take a pause. Okay, you're he saying knows- there's sexual tension between Harry Potter and Voldemort? Is this what you're saying? No, I'm saying there's sexual tension between Voldemort and everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> he commands a room. Like, that version of Voldemort. The other... Even when he's like the weird worm soup thing, he's like, I'll kill the spare, whatever. And like, they kill Cedric. Eh. Not here for that, like, creepy little raspy voice. But then all of a sudden, he's like, ha ha, hey, Harry, I'm, you know, they've taught you how to duel, bow. And you're like, ooh, like, he's like a little puppet master. It's good. No one else? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to agree that Voldemort is hot because no. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, like, yeah, he does, like, come out of this disgusting little wormy state. And, like, you know, it's impressive. Yeah. But also during that whole scene, I'm thinking, just kill him. Like, I know I'm supposed to root for Harry Potter, but it's like, he's, like, talking, and Harry Potter's stuck against the, the statue, and I'm like, can't you just, like, boop, or well, you he, have to duel? I mean, no, but he was waiting, like, 13 years, at, or 14 years at this point. Like, let him savor the moment, you know? Oh, uh, he's, like, it's just... He's been stewing in that soup long enough, making he needs to do something, <laughs> because I cannot. And it's just, like, throughout, uh, until the end... After that point, I, I'm literally every time they're face to face, I'm like, just do it. Just kill <laughs> Harry Potter. It is. Why is this so hard? He's right there. At the, at, before that point, it was, oh, he has like a love curse. I can't touch him. Then after that, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get to it. But it's like, oh, I don't have the right wand. And like, <laughs> you know, he just needs to like get all these steps figured out before he can kill a teenage boy. Yeah. Well, so that that is a good point, though. He only the reason why it took him so long every other time is because he realized that night that he didn't have the right wand, right? Like, had he tried just at any random point without his big, you know, evil villain speech, like the wands would have still like you can't kill the sister wand or brother, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, it wouldn't have worked. But he that's the thing. I'm not saying that I would go follow Voldemort, but I am saying I understand why other people were like. Oh, yes. Because, like, when he talks and he commands the audience and he's charismatic and he, like, says his little speeches, you want to sit and listen. And, like, even Harry is quiet the entire time that he's, like, on that statue thing. And then after a while, he's like, and Voldemort's like, oh, I forgot you were here. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly listening to me. Like, yeah. So, yeah. um, I love the fourth. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good one. 
Hello there, listener. This is post-production Havlo. So our conversation went a little bit long for one whole episode. So we had to break it up into two parts. So we'll end part one right here, which is why you're listening to me speak from after the episode was recorded. Make sure you stick around for part two, which will be coming out the following week or if it's already past the following week it's already out now so you can go and listen to it uh, if you desire so thank you for listening to our first part of our harry potter discussion see you in part two peace